We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Aikman is intercepted by Sam Mills. Steve Smith is going to go all the way. Panthers win in overtime. Newton steps up, close to the end zone. Olsen, touchdown! Touchdown by Moore. And in the foot race, McCaffrey to the end zone. He pounded on three. One, two, three. How are we doing, Panthers fans? As we near the halfway point of another Panthers season, it's the Roar Podcast, Blue Wire. John Ellis, Billy Marshall, partners in crime going strong now since 2020. We've seen it all, baby. And we've seen another chapter of fascinating, if not winning football by a team that's learning how to do just that, win in the NFL. Steve Wilkes takes his team down to Atlanta, has a chance to play for the NFC South lead. And boy, oh boy, some interesting dynamics kept that from happening billy and i caught up right after the game very rare for us to do this had a very uh what i would say honest no frills discussion (laughs) with some choice language at times about some of the areas of struggle for this team and you know honestly some positives that we're always going to point out here so here you go rapid reaction sunday edition as we look back billy marshall john ellis the roar podcast on blue wire Let's dive right into it. I mean, this game, John, um, this is why I believe the situation around P.J. Walker, it needs to continue this type of offensive balance and giving him opportunities to throw the ball. You know, they got that interception, um, or excuse me, they got that three and out, or, um, you know, the Falcons punted it uh, after the interception. It was the second drive. It was a third and like 11, I believe it was. And they decided to run the ball um, on third down with Spencer Brown and they kicked a short field goal. Whatever. I'm not going to complain. But to me, that's just, it's like you don't trust your QB, but your QB all game was making difficult throws and very tight, um, you know, tough circumstances like pressure in his face. Um, You know, he's hitting throws with great velocity and fantastic, you know, you know, anticipation. I wasn't a fan of that early on, but I will say credit to Ben McAdoo. He adjusted and there were a few drives where, um, you know, they threw a lot more than I anticipated. Uh, but overall, this is what you want to see. And this, the, these last two games, John, it takes me back to that 2018 stretch, um, you know, before that Pittsburgh game where they were just racking up a ton of yards and, um, you, you know, production uh, today, 6.5 yards per play, 478 total yards. I mean, that that's just, that's fantastic. I mean, it's an entirely new planet we're living on today when we look at this offense. And you know, look, look, you start with the, the conversation, the narrative around what's going on with Atlanta secondary. Okay, that's acceptable to put into the conversation. A.J. Terrell, Casey Hayward, and others were dinged up throughout that game. Uh, the, the run defense for Atlanta, uh, and we'll get to the run game here too, you know, look, at least on a sort of per carry basis, they've been pretty good. They grady Jarrett up front. You can just see by that defense, though, it's 
a little scheme reliant. They've really got to put some scheming up uh, in terms of the pressure to make things happen because the talent is still developing there. Um, but no, PJ, look, it, this is the thing that stood out to me. The, the first half, Billy, it just kind of felt like a little more of the same in a way. Look, you're kind of in a 14-10 situation. Uh, I have not looked at the game film. This is being done on a Sunday night. We're both balls to the wall tired. So excuse us, we're getting through this here. But when we look at the film, I'll get a better idea of what happened on that on that screen pass. You might have had a thought or two on that, but that was a really unfortunate play. But what impressed me is the fact, and this is one thing I put out there on Twitter, among other things today. Um, let's see how P.J. responds to that. And it's always a big moment for a young quarterback to see how he responds to that type of adversity. You know, you, you put a pick six out there, whether it's your fault or not, uh, that's traumatic. That can affect the whole flow of the game. But Billy, I go back to your point. I don't have the whole game chart in front of me, but some of the throws he made, they got in some third and seven, third and nine, third and 11 holes by penalties, some bad play calling at times. And it seemed like every time he delivered, even on like a, a fourth down, he, he put it right in DJ's breadbasket. That, uh, you know, I don't know if DJ dropped it as much as it was broken up. I, I think that's probably catchable. But, boy, I mean, look, you get yourself down in a hole again. And then you've got – what was the amount of time they had on that clock? Under 40 seconds, right? Like 45 seconds? I mean, that's you're, – you're not in a situation where you're thinking to yourself, okay, now we've got time to go down and get a touchdown. It was desperation time. Uh, there was 36 seconds uh, at the yeah, point 36. where two hit the field goal. By the way – Props to Derek Brown for making a stop there. I mean, Derek continues to just dominate at the defensive tackle position, and he stepped in and made a big stop on third down that allowed for that lead to maintain within six. And then all of a sudden, boom, a 62-yard pass, Billy, in the air, by the way. Kind of reminded me, I know it's sacrilege here, but DeLome rolling left in the Super Bowl, putting that dime up to Muhammad. It's got that same type of arc to it. And then the helmet comes off. Yeah, and let me just. Uh, yeah, what do you? Before think, we get to really? that, what do you got on that? Yeah, yeah, we'll get to the refs. I want to be very. Clear. I just want to be safe. PJ was outstanding. He should remain the starter. Case closed on my end for that. Yeah, I, I don't see any other scenario with this situation. Uh, I mean, again, this is the best quarterbacking I have seen from a Carolina Panthers QB since you know 2018 Cam Newton, um, and it's just been ultra efficient sure i'd like them to start games better let me just explain to you that that screen um the pick six by lorenzo carter i'm not gonna blame pj for that as much as i'm gonna blame the offensive line in that situation a screen you want to at least make contact with the defenders before you go out into your blocks and they just they didn't do a good job of that at all and so that makes it very very tough for pj because he has to loft it over the defenders and it's a tough screen pass okay so but if you make like initial contact it's it's an easier screen pass and then hey maybe he gets like you know a chunk yards and you can kind of assess where you're at after he's tackled but no i'm not you know that that type of play a lot of people they, they see it and they think, oh, QB is out of his mind. He's making a dumb decision. No, that's not a dumb decision. I think. Well, the- no, that's just a, a, I, I saw the quick Fox replay on it. And that was my thought, too, was the spacing on it was a little tight. And um, Foreman's right there. And I just it's a tough little throw to fit in. And, you know, I guess to a certain extent, yeah, I don't know what you think about this, but, you know, Dean Pease has a knack for this kind of stuff. Maybe you give them a little credit for sniffing it out. They ran a screen last week similar to this. Um, it happens. I mean, you know, as John Fox said, they practice too. But I, I don't hold that against him. No, I, and I'm watching it again. Iquanu does a really poor job of engaging with Lorenzo Carter. And then Carter, as soon as he sees Walker hit his drop, he just – he plays the screen perfectly. So yeah, yeah you're yeah. right that, you know, they get paid too, but I thought Iquanu could have done better there. Um, overall, uh, you know, Iki had a pretty decent game. Um, I was a little confused about that one holding call. They called on Christensen. I thought that was a pretty clean um, block, especially if you're going to use a rip move like that. I, at least. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't see anything egregious there at all, but you know, that's how it goes. Um, okay. And couple other things I want to get to. Let me just say this again, that 
the first touchdown drive, um, it, it was just really good balance overall. Um, and you saw them run it. Foreman had some good runs. Uh, but the most encouraging part of this game was just the development of Terrace Marshall. And this is a guy that, for whatever reason, Matt Rule had in his doghouse. He was making him inactive during games. They tra- they drafted this guy in the second round. He isn't, like, a bad player. Like, I understand oh. that he had a connection with Joe Brady, uh, but he was productive for LSU. And the way he was treated by Matt Rule, I think it was a... It's a crying shame. That's all I'll say because this is a talented player. And you know what players need, John? They need confidence. And when you're messing around, having players be on the inactive list and telling them to, you know, earn their role and all this stuff. And I totally understand that. But you know what else happens? What else matters? It's confidence. And a guy like Marshall, to me, he's a he just looks like a guy that needs some sort of internal confidence and something to just keep him. You know, yeah, optimistic, and he showed why these past two weeks he's been excellent. Yeah, I mean, I'm in a salty mood tonight, so just bear with me. I'm going to try to keep it family friendly here, but it'll probably get a little salty. So, viewer discretion is advised here. Fuck all that. I mean, seriously, with rule, I, and and look, I I've been more than fair with him, but I think the further we get away from this, the more we understand. Look, it's Steve Wilkes. It's not Vince Lombardi here. And I love Steve. I think he's got a great opportunity to be a head coach again, either here or somewhere else. But it's NFL competency, Billy. You bring in guys, you develop them, and you give them the confidence through the reps. All this dog shit about we're going to split reps and competition and this and that. And we want to, you know, bring out the best in athletic testing and scoring. It's just, it always felt like used car sales bullshit. And I, I'm going to tangent uh, stop there. It'll, it'll park there. But Terrace, yes, we have seen the past couple of weeks this big physical guy. Of course, you know, it's not all perfect, but he's getting his hands on the ball. Good run after the catch, making an impact. I mean, they're trying to pop the fades to him there. That's eventually going to build his confidence, and he's getting some looks down the red zone. Now, got to come down with him. You know, it's just that next step in the evolution. But, yeah, Billy, he's a second-round pick. This is not like David Geddes, who actually was quite good here until he got hurt. It's not a, a late-round flyer. This is somebody they prioritized in their draft room. So, look, you can't go backwards, but thank God this team let go of Matt Rule when they did. Nothing personal, only business, because it's never been more apparent to me from watching the team now versus then. It's not a culture thing, all that mumbo-jumbo. It's just the utilization of the roster, the ability of Rooks to come in and say, okay, this makes better sense than that offensively. Now, look, defensively, we can get down to the nuts and bolts of that. And that's if people are going to say, oh, Wilkes, defense sucked today. Well, Wilkes is the head coach now. There's more to it than that. I just like the fact that he's enabling guys like Marshall. And, you know, yeah, bench a guy if you want. Not just you know, him either. Run, like a guy like. Run, just whatever. It's just Matt Rule is meant for college. Go back to college and leave us alone. That's all um, Deontay Foreman, a guy that you've been a big fan of for a while. Um, you know, I couldn't Love stop that. hearing, um, uh, you know, Jonathan Vilma on the broadcast, how he kept saying that, you know, Wilkes told him he reminds him of Derrick Henry, which uh, I don't think anyone's Derrick Henry, but you did see a lot of the, um, yeah, it's similar traits, just the ability to bounce off contact, the violent running nature. Now he- here's what I'll say that final drive in overtime, when they were trying to position themselves for a field goal. Yeah, he was running very tentatively, and I'm not. I'm not blaming him. I'm blaming. I I agree. Someone on the coaching staff for telling him to be, you know, very. I I don't know. He to me, he's never had an issue with his ball security, so I'm not sure. You know why we're you know harping on that? Why just tell him to go out there, and run, and maybe you get a touchdown. You win by six. Game over. Yeah, I agree. But that's hindsight. Kickers should still make it. I'll get to that in a second. Uh, but overall, just a very strong performance by um, yeah, by Deontay Foreman. Uh, the other thing I'll say is this. Uh, I don't know why he wasn't in the game on the final or second to final fourth quarter drive. Um, you know, that sack was a result of oh, Spencer yeah. Brown not picking up his guy in pe- scat protection. Jonathan Vilma did a pretty good job of explaining it on the broadcast. Um, yeah, that was on the running back 100%. I know you like to, I, I, I'm not trying to take shots at you, John, but you were like, 
Dean Peace out scheme McAdoo here. I don't really think that's what happened if the running back picks up Rashawn Evans. Share my private notes with <laughs> Uh, I no, saw you tweet I, it. I saw you tweet it. So I think I probably I was losing track of my tweets. No, I. But look, yeah, I that's that's why I just game. yeah I don't know why he wasn't in the game there. Um, but overall, Deontay well, I mean, was good. I I don't know. I I think I guess I'm just kind of like triggered from last year when Dean threw a couple things at Cam Newton in that offensive line, and every time I see the Falcons make a good play, I think of oh it's Dean Pease. He's a genius. So I'll I'll use this disclaimer. Ignore the tweets to a degree, and let's wait on the film, and then I'll kind of reassess. So I, I think, like, Spencer Brown, to your point, utilization, like, this is his first time, I think, on the active roster this season. Uh, that's a strange situation to put him in in terms of scat protection. You're exactly right. And, you know, without the luxury of seeing the All-22, I mean, it, I really don't need to. Look, I'll take your word for it. That's just bad matchup, bad personnel. Um, but, you know, Foreman, look, this is a guy that, you know, I, I had kind of put some tape out there on when they signed him because I was just curious to to kind of look back at some of the stuff that wasn't highlighted. We all remember the run he had uh, in the playoffs against Cincinnati. He had some good runs down the stretch in the season. But, dude, they ran him in a lot of different formational looks. They had him in Wildcat. Uh, they had him, you know, single wing stuff. They had him in the screen game active. Uh, run him out of, you know, some of the power concepts, some of the zone concepts you see mixed in here too. And just contact balance was the word I kept coming back to and like you, you know I kind of I'm a cornball about comparing Panthers guys to current Panthers guys but like Deshaun Foster they're not built exactly the same but the contact balance reminds me a lot of him Jonathan Stewart again sacrilege I know but down near the goal line it's been a minute since they've had that kind of presence and this is no knock on McCaffrey but you know have somebody that can get that second gear and get you over the goal line I mean again we're talking running game here but these are important things as it relates to the future of this team. If they're going to be economically sound, I, I don't know what his contract is now. I would imagine they could probably get him at a pretty decent rate. That's a pretty good guy to start scouting for your future. But again, who's the new head coach? If there is one, there's a lot of questions for right now. Nobody's running with more productivity than, than our, our guy Foreman. I mean, it's credit to the offensive line too. I guess you can credit McAdoo for evolving a little bit. You've, mentioned some of the things he's done a better job of, and I agree with that. I think that was a matter of time. I think, you know, we all understand Ben from talking to people like Greg Cosell does have the respect of a lot of people around the league. I don't want to treat Ben McAdoo like a walking meme the rest of this year. I want to see things come together like they did today. Now, look, I mean, you you run the ball, you, you take the air out of the ball. I honestly, I was a little shocked, Billy, because the NFL this season has been so crazy. Expect the unexpected, right? This felt like it was going to be a game where you'd see maybe 25 passes between both teams. Um, maybe it's not much PJ, but Atlanta's been running that consistently. But Atlanta found their gold in Carolina's secondary. They, they found their opportunities with our old friend Demir Bird. And, of course, Kyle Pitts was wide open and, you know, uh, our good yeah, friend well, Rick London. And, I mean, it was before a we get to the defense. a much different game. Than, the over-under definitely was over. <laughs> Yeah, I don't want to get to the defense yet. I just like I want to stick with this offense before we transition there. Yep, fair um, enough. Yeah, no, it's the day that DJ Moore had was, um, yeah, it, it was fantastic. Now I'm gonna ignore. Um, well, I'm not gonna ignore. I'm going to hold off on the discussion about the, um, you know, the end of whatever happened, the unsportsmanlike penalty. We'll get to that in a second. So just hold tight there. Um, but to me, DJ was the best player on that field for this team uh, on Sunday. And, and the reason I say that is because there were receivers running wrong routes, notably Shy Smith. I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, he, to, to uh, Shai's credit, he did have a couple nice punt returns, but um, yeah. I am about done with this project. Well, I think he. Higgins. Is Higgins not the part of the plan right now, or is that just they tabled that? I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, Sullivan looked decent. He had a nice catch for 30. Yeah. Um, but let me just finish you up here with DJ Moore. Um, sure. This is a player that has been the talk of a lot of scrutiny around the league because of his, um, because of the state of the team and where they are uh, and potentially trade rumors, all that stuff. Uh, but these last two weeks, when you can pair him with a competent 
passer of the football and a scheme that opens it up for him. I think he does well. And, and the reason, again, Shai Smith, he ran the wrong route. You know, DJ Moore was able to still, you know, adjust his vision um, with a player clustered right next to him. And he's able to come down that catch. And yeah. I just think that, I don't know what it is about him and um, uh, DJ and PJ that have, that they have such a good rapport, rapport with one another, uh, but it's working. And I think long may it continue. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I totally agree, man. DJ is, um, he stands out. I mean, when you watch him, even the run blocking. And, you know, Wilkes went out of his way to credit him for this a couple weeks ago. So I got curious. I said, let me do a little more detail on my film study. And, yeah, I mean, it's there. It's there consistently. Um, There have been others that have played outside of DJ. I'm not calling anybody out. You do the math. Where it's not as consistent. It's not as defined or refined. DJ works hard in the blocking game. So there's point number one. Point number two, look, I think for what they ask him to do, um, the, the routes he runs, he's never going to be like Jamar or Justin. I mean, we kind of understand those guys, the elites, you know, Stephon Diggs. DJ's improving in that area. But what you saw from him, and I kept telling myself, you know, all the stuff he did in that game throughout, you know, the catches over the middle, the big routes and all that, the ability and the only chance they really had, Billy, and I, I kind of tweeted this out and I said, just, throw a go ball and just, I don't care if they're playing, you know, quarters, prevent, whatever, if they get guys 30 yards back, if they got nine guys, in the, just hope that DJ can, you know, do something to get past one of them. And, and certainly he did, even if not, you can draw pass interference in this league. Um, and he did. And the throw was just impeccable. So like, you know, we talk about brass balls and we talk about, we want to be the best at everything. And it just so happens the quarterback on this roster who possesses the brass ball winning prize of the day right now is P.J. Walker because he will uncork it. He will throw it vertical. And what was D.J. so good at? Even when Teddy was throwing helium balls you know, a couple years ago, at least he was giving him shots at contested balls. And thank God P.J. threw that ball deep. It could have been a game winner. Um, we'll get to all that, but I mean, th- like, those are the kind of moments I'm trying to live in through this and not get down in the dumps about the win loss shit. I mean, look, it's tough to lose. That was an electric moment, Billy, uh, since, you know, like Matt rule has been here and Wilkes took over. I don't recall too many moments watching a game where in hyperbole, I get it. It's not division title season, but at least you're in a discussion for it mid season and you're rallying back from eight down. And this P.J. Walker kid is rolling left and uncorking this ball right into the hands of D.J. Moore. He makes the catch, and uh, we'll get to the rest of it later. But I thought that play itself was indicative of the fact that, hey, who's got the brass balls? Well, you know, Baker's got the happy feet. Sam has got to continue to grow. And, you know, Matt Corral, we don't know yet. So let P.J. cook until further notice, and then we'll figure this shit out next year. Yeah, for sure. And, um, yeah, we'll, we'll just – again, this is – I hate how much how reactionary NFL coverage is and how oh. it just it turns me off so much about you know covering this sport. It's just the week to week, you know, people looking to validate their opinions based on what they see. Um hey, quit talking about me. <laughs> uh, anyway, um 
Sorry. But you know, to finish this off offensively, the game plan overall was pretty wise. Um, I thought that, you know, the quarterback again had a good game. Uh, the offensive line, I thought, had a pretty strong game, especially run blocking. Um, I think this unit is probably more tailored. Uh, I mean, they're a good unit. They're not elite by any stretch. Um, but when you give a quarterback time um, and he's able to just, you know, make good throws, set his feet, I yeah. mean, you're, you're seeing the fruition of that. And, you know, PJ definitely, um, you know, came up clutch. And that's the sort of thing you want to see. And, um, I don't know what PJ is going to be moving forward, but it, that's why I'm trying to just take this stuff game by game. I'm not looking to, you know, just like, you know, people who are ready to, you know, talk about division titles this week. I'm not ready to do that either. And I'm not ready to talk about, um, you know, potentially picking the top five. Let's just, you know, take this week by week. They're probably not going to win the division. They're probably not going to pick number one overall. I don't know where they're going to land. But just, right. overall, um, let's try to keep some type of perspective and stay a little patient with um, what we're watching instead of just, you know, right. the reactionary takes that come from Look, I'll know, be the every week. First, I'll be the first to tell you on a multitude of platforms from which I broadcast, this is the one where I'm able to kind of loosen up my tie and be really direct. Okay. Because let's face it, this is not FM radio. Um the, the fact that they have a legitimate shot at winning the division coming into this game but was the byproduct of some really bad shit going on in this division. So I, I have no illusions that this is a team ready to make a push for the NFC crown or even the division crown. It's by happenstance in their division wins. They were 2-0 and in the division. And, you know, the fact was if they had won, they would have been right there and sort of a, you know, a, a kind of, okay, Fans are going to say driver's seat role in the NFC South, okay? No, it's a long season. You look at it two ways, Billy. I like the way you framed it here. The draft is a long way away. We I cover the college football scene. I mean, well, Levis, okay, you know, <laughs> Hidden Hooker. There's a lot of names out there. CJ Stroud, I echo your point from last week. It's like, okay, which one of those guys do you like and why? And how do you go about getting them? And then what do you do once you get them? What's your scheme? What's your system? Same thing with like the the weekly eval that I always talk about. Like it is very true, and you're very good at this, and I try to be. It's like, all right, you got Atlanta, that's behind you, then you know Maddie's coming up, and let's focus in on what this team is all about. I'm sure we will. Don't forget but... the Saints just shut out the Raiders, so they're not exactly tanking either. No, they're not, and this this league is going to present a lot of different curveballs, I would imagine. But I will say this: the one thing that I am positive about. Well, I'll say the one thing I'm optimistic about, and I, I try to be realistic and not optimistic, but there there is a palpable sense, I think, that this team is a little more organized and fundamentally sound overall moving forward in terms of their personnel, in terms of how they're operating. And the, the play at the quarterback position has gotten better. So there's increased production there that you can maybe look forward to you see two games in a row, it's it's not really a mirage. If you see three or four, now people get the film and they start to figure it out and tougher opponents come along. But no, it's all about Cincinnati right now. Let's see if Carolina can go in and, you know, do some fun things there and let's see if Foreman can run strong. And maybe this defense with, with Steve Wilkes and Al Holcomb, you know, they're good at what they do. Get, get these guys in a room and let's get this shit cleaned up because, you know, we'll talk about that, I'm sure, but the offense – I, I'm I'm really looking forward to watching this offensive line continue to develop, Billy. It's fun to watch them. It's not perfect, but it's a really solid unit that plays together. And you're seeing guys like Sullivan emerge and Marshall. And, you know, what do you do with Shai Smith? Well, next man up. Let's see who else can catch the ball. But really, you know, DJ Moore, I, I think this kid stays here. I think they keep him here. I don't think they trade him. Now, Tuesday's the trade deadline. Hopefully that's not something they do because – I don't think there's something out there that's going to entice them to do it at a cost that I would go for. Uh, Brian Burns, we don't know, but I would just keep PJ in the mix and let him continue to do what he's doing. Um, and Foreman, too. That's fun to watch. Hopefully they get Chuba Hubbard back, too, because he's actually been kind of solid here lately. Um. Okay. Uh, let's Before we transition to defense, I just want to say this once. If you want to say anything, fine. 
I am never, ever, ever going to blame officiating for any results in the NFL. The right call was made after the DJ Moore touchdown. Let's just be clear Correct. about that. If if you have an issue, if you have an issue with anything, don't blame the refs. Blame the rule. Okay. Now, take your issue with them. Um. Now, I know some people were looking at the Terry McLaurin catch and why he had his helmet off. Yeah. Well, this is different because Washington called the timeout. Yes. Um, they they called a timeout, and the second the timeout was blown, he took he knew. Like he was very smart to hear that whistle, and then he did his thing. But no, it's not the, it's not the official's fault. It's unfortunate it was thrown, but like it's the rule. Yeah. It is what so it is. It, again, um, overall officiating was fine. I didn't really think they made any egregious errors. Again, there was some ticky tack stuff like a, like the Christensen hold that I just had some questions with. But I mean, whatever. It's what about the false start? Did you see the false start by Atlanta? Were my eyes playing tricks on me? Um, the, the Mar- the field Mariota. No, hold on. It was uh, late in the game here. I'll pull it up. There was a, a big play in the game by Atlanta. And, uh, well, he, I here's what I'll say. The left, the left tackle. I know they give him a little bit of leeway, but he had about a – No, no, no. no. I, I, did notice, I did notice all game that um, when Mariota snaps the ball – when he signals to snap it, their left tackle, he gets out into a stance before Mariota has the ball in his hands. In my opinion, that's just a really good job of um, anticipation by the left tackle to time it just in time. Uh, yeah, sure. This, this one looked a little more not, enhanced, though. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree. It did, but I, I, um, I watched. Uh, I kept a notice of that because Atlanta operates out of the shotgun like ninety percent of the time. So what I noticed pretty much all game is that, um, you know, Mariota is collecting the ball after the snap and the Shit. left tackle is already blame, in his set. I want to blame somebody. God damn it. <laughs> but, um, no, I, I take your point, man. But yeah, no. Uh, so the DJ, I'm not blaming DJ for the loss either. Um, you know, God. the kickers, kickers got to make it. I'm not necessarily uh, blaming the kicker either. He's been uh, fine for the most Whatever. part this year. Um, you know, if you have anything to say on that situation, go for it. I again, I oh, well. <laughs> I think the the call was correct. Yeah, I mean, the, the rule book is the rule book. You know, and when the minute he took his helmet off, the first thing I said to myself is, "Oh shit, we're missing the extra point." Uh, I knew the flag was coming out. I mean, it did. Now, I mean, you, you, what you're going to see is in that situation in the end zone. You saw with Diggs a few years ago in overtime, but that's an overtime game. That it's a walk off. It's over. Saw with McLaurin today, but there was a timeout on the field. I I went to the rule book to make sure I had that right. And then I just said, what the hell am I doing here? What's this rabbit hole I'm climbing down? This is, I got a family here. I'm trying to move. We're moving into a new house. We don't have time to be going into the NFL rule book, section three. Um, Anyway, yeah, it happened. Uh, I'm not going to be preachy about it. Look, that's Coach Wilkes' job. And the whole staff there, we'll, we'll have a conversation together. And look, this is. I, I, I feel like I'm patronizing DJ by saying, well, this is a learning experience. There's all these fucking people out there putting these videos out on Twitter, like Fox Sports out there. Oh, the Panthers fans feeling dejected right now. And it's the picture of DJ just shaking his head. It's like, great. Now let's troll this guy. That's great. All fair and well. Great. But for God's sakes, the guy is carrying the fucking receiving core on his back. He makes this acrobatic catch, Willie May style. He takes his helmet off. He's emotionally charged. By the way, you can understand why he's been here since 2018, hasn't had a sniff of a playoff action at all, and it seems like every time he makes a big play in a game, it's in an inconsequential moment. This was a major moment for him, at least in his eyes, and he reacted technically against the rules, and the flag was thrown. The more excruciating thing was, you know, you can't, you cannot miss that goddamn field goal in overtime you can't you're a part of the team you're a kicker there are so many plays you can look back on billy and say all right the interception return for a touchdown some of the procedure penalties the special teams had a few too many penalties today in general but i don't know i mean they they, you mentioned that last drive with foreman they're kind of just kind of almost taking a knee with him it's very gentle running trying to set it up and it was one of the worst kicks I've seen. And I, I don't want to be hard on the guy. He's been very good. But that's an indicator to me that you're in, you know, hostile environment, I guess. But you're in great, you know, weather conditions. It's perfect. 
And uh, it's one of those Lindo Mare Shane Graham moments. It really was unfortunate. It, it did piss a lot of people off that I talked to and that follow this team. It, it irked the hell out of me. Um, I'm going to have a, I, I can't blame I'm, I'm gonna have a controversial take here, if you don't mind. Oh, yeah, please. Let's go. So <laughs> Stephen Sullivan, he actually had his helmet off, too. I don't know if you saw this. No, and, I didn't. Yeah, go go back and look at the touchdown catch. Stephen Sullivan runs over to him. He has his helmet in his hand. Um, and uh, all right, my controversial take is: you remember that preseason game against the Pats when they had like forty guys rush on the in the end zone after like an oh. interception? Yeah, yeah. You just reminded me of that. I just yeah. wonder Did if a lot of. That? I just wonder if a lot of the disciplinary issues that existed under Matt rule haven't been totally wiped clean. Hmm. Missy, we need to bring back the DBO sign. Is that what we're saying? Well, no, I mean, I just, I, I think a lot of the, I just think the rule also wasn't, um, you know, keeping necessarily good tabs on these guys because it, it was bullshit, Billy. It was all a sales job. I'll I'll say it. It was signs, and it was you know that's just. But you know, you know what I'm talking about. You remember brand? the Patriots preseason game? Yeah. Yes, they're all out there running around, and and you know you, you get this. Yeah, all the narratives he talked about about protecting the ball at the goal line, and you know we don't reach out. So Higgins, you go run after this amazing play at camp, and you're sending bad signals, and that stuff. These guys aren't paying attention to that. They're laughing behind the scenes. You've seen tweets from guys, and maybe they're disgruntled. I don't think Charles Johnson is disgruntled. He had nothing to do with Matt Rule, but like Trey Boston, maybe. I don't know. You've heard some rumblings and some chuckles behind the scenes about how certain players be like, all right, dude, come on. And I knew that would be something that was ill-received. Now, did is it Matt Rule's fault that DJ Moore took his helmet off? No, but, I mean, look, if you're going to be a well-disciplined team and this is the foundational piece of your operation, don't beat ourselves. And you've coached this guy for several years. You certainly don't turn around and blame Steve Wilkes for it. DJ's got to be accountable. But in that moment, I just would say, you know, these are humans. They're also football players. I'm looking at it again. Yeah, Marshall and uh, I'm sorry, uh, Sullivan and DJ's helmet are both off. That's overkill. And they uh, situational football. I mean, you just got to know in that situation, even though it's the oddest of situations. I I don't think you, you talk to enough players. They get into a blur. I talked to Stanley tonight, Stanley McClover, Brian Burns' brother, and he was saying, you know, John, in those moments, you don't even know what the clock says. If it's in a, like 10 seconds, five seconds, sometimes you're just such in an emotional state in a play like that. You know, it just happens. And unfortunately, I, I don't have a track record of, again, I'm not going to put the officials on the spot. It feels like at times when it's in the middle of the game on the field, guy takes his helmet off, runs the sidelines, they don't throw the flag. In this moment, it was front and center in front of the cameras. And the narrative sucks because now you have, you know, like guys from ESPN and stuff. And they put, oh, well, DJ Moore costing his team. You know, nobody cost the team again. Not even the kicker independently did that. It was a collective effort. It was a total lack of situational football at the end of the game. You score the touchdown. You get the penalty. You miss an extra point. One that he should probably make, by the way. Although 15 plus yards isn't great. Well, and then I'll over say time, this. once again, you get you get the takeaway and then you miss a chip shot. It's it's frustrating, but it is what it is. And I, I think that's an interesting point you raise about the the discipline culture from the previous team. They're lucky they didn't flag Marshall because at that point it would have been 30 yards of penalties. And then you <laughs> probably would have had to attempt a 63 yarder, which I mean would have been the well, same I'll say it would have mattered. result. Would have missed it anyway. Okay. Bring out Johnny Decker at that point. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. Let, let's transition. Yeah, I mean, here. look, I, Billy. Just to, to quickly on the offense, man. I appreciate your insight on that. Just some of the follow up stuff, and it was uh, I mean, just ending on a positive note on the offense. It was fun to see some of the stuff in the passing game, and I'll I'll look forward to next week seeing what they can do. Um. You know, defensively, I, I thought that the Falcons. Um. They really did. Uh, a masterful job of playing to their strengths. Um, you know, schematically, I think Carolina was all over the place. Um, you know, the one play that really just stands out to me is, you know, they do the orbit motion uh, where the receiver goes uh, in motion behind the running back and quarterback, the snap, and then Mariota 
kind of goes through his progression. Then he checks it down to Kyle Pitts, um, you know, in the flat, and there's no one there. And I just think that's a result of just poor, um, you know, execution and scheme. I mean, because what are you playing in that situation? You're bringing a blitz, uh, but if you're going to vacate that side, there's no one in the flat at all because Dante Jackson is carrying a receiver, you know, vertically on his side. And so you just leave Pitts wide open and he gets like you know extra 10 or 15 yards. I will also give credit to Mariota. He made a couple of really clutch plays. Like there's one play, um, you know, on the drive where they take the 31 28 lead where he's falling backwards on his weak side and he finds um, Drake London, uh, like a second reaction throw. It's really nice job there by uh, Mariota. And then he had the really nice run in overtime too. And sure, he made a mistake and, uh, you know, threw a couple interceptions, including the one in overtime. Uh, but I, overall, I think that um, linebacker play was very poor today. I'll say that much. I, I think Littleton and Thompson, um, not good against the run, not good enough at all. Uh, and again, you have to give credit. Atlanta has some good playmakers, uh, but I know you, a lot of fans had some uh, very you know, frustrated feelings with CJ Henderson on the Demir bird touchdown and fair enough, but I'll just point out that CJ also, uh, he made a really nice play on a pass deflection and he got the interception to put them in position to score and win the game. Um, so don't get me wrong. Like he could have done better on the Demir play. Um, but this was a, um, you know, it was a tough defensive performance. Uh, but I also think that Atlanta, they did really well uh, when it came to their second reaction type stuff. Uh, you know, Mariota going through his reads um, and you can point to Brian Burns as a guy who has to do better uh, yep. because he did not generate enough pressure. He didn't do well against the run. I know you have some thoughts on that. So I'll just, you know, seed the floor to you. Well, thank you. Appreciate that. Um, Brian Burns, trade him now. He's a piece of shit. <laughs> I'm kidding, Brian. Um, not his best game. Uh, look, and, and we had this discussion last week. He's got to be better, and he's got to be more impactful. Um, you know, I, I want to look at the entire film. I'm, I'm kind of catching highlights here looking back at this stuff, like the Algier screen pass. I mean, this is good scheming by Arthur Smith, too. I mean, they're obviously just getting – linebackers in conflict running jet you've got blockers already in space Shaq is washed up you got Derek Brown who was ever loving credit trying hustling down there from the defensive tackle position to try I'll give Derek Brown a gold star again I haven't seen the whole tape but he was making plays when I had the game on um they did things the right way this is how they operate Billy they they try to maintain a certain level of pass run balance um but there's some semblance of schematic organization to what they do in the passing game that fits right into Mariota's strengths. It's really a nice job of coaching. And, you know, I, I don't want to get ahead of myself with Atlanta, but for all the talk about Tampa, New Orleans, talent they had, you know, Carolina with Baker. I mean, it just turns out right now that Atlanta simply has, at least offensively, a, an operation they can, they can travel with. It's portable. It, it works. It's They don't even have Patterson right now. I mean, they're, they're guys that are out for this team. On, on the other side of the ball, too, that that puts a, a strain on Mariota. And I just thought he was very efficient. He was like 10 of 10 at one point in the second half. Um, defensively, look, I, I want to get a better understanding of what we're talking about with C.J. Henderson. Uh, there's a lot of chatter out there, and I probably was – John, actually, watch that play again. Xavier Woods and J.C. Horn also don't hold themselves in glory in that, on that play. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. And, you know, to your credit, I mean, you were one to say, hey, let's take a step back and look at the tape. And it, it was what for whatever reason. And, we'll, you know, I'll make my diagnosis on it. And I'm sure the coach will have his own and you'll have yours. And But we'll all kind of have a pretty good idea when we look at the tape. It's like, all right, these are things going on in the back end that are just not indicative of a Steve Wilkes secondary. You had your guys back. I mean, you know, the, the interceptions they had, I'm not minimizing this, but I don't like all turnovers. These are big ones. Nice interception return by C.J. Henderson. I, I give Ioannidis a lot of credit for getting the pressure on Mariota there, but you know, good on C.J. for you know tracking the ball, getting it, and returning it. It was a hell of a job. And then Dante Jackson early in the game, that was a great way to start the game defensively. 
But something changed there. And I'm, I'm kind of looking at the game book and sort of the script that they ran with. And there was a certain point in the game, Billy, and you kind of give me your insight on this because I'm sure you've seen more of the, the plays than I have to this point. There was a point in the game it felt like that Atlanta was able to discover some elements in the passing game that they really haven't yet done this year. They've been consistently around 130, 140, 150 yards passing. I think they've got some nice, talented players, but our good friend Demir Bird is splitting the safeties and running. That That was like, okay, or this is, you know, the twilight zone here. Um, I, I guess, you know, you're right about Burns, man. He's got to be able to get pressure. And, you know, you can talk to guys around the league and you can talk about how they play Mariota and there's some conflict there that it puts extra stress on the edge player. And I get that, but you got to be able to blow some shit up and you got to move him around to make your most one would argue your most impactful pass rusher, just that a pass rusher and not an edge contained guy. I called him out on a play. YGM. I was like, YGM got bowled over on this play three plays in a row later. He was like blowing shit up. So I thought he had some decent moments, but no, the linebackers were not good in this game. Secondary is bad. Burns needs to be better than this. I, at first glance, I think Brown and Ioannidis had a very good game. And, you know, they ran a lot. They did what they had to do, Atlanta. But it was, you know, Matt Rule math here, four yards of carry. But that's enough in the NFL to win if you're controlling the tempo. I thought also, just one last thing, I thought when Mariota, they went a little more up-tempo there. They got to the line faster, the muddle-huddle thing, and that kind of impacted personnel a little bit for Carolina. So just my observations. I'll have a chance to look at the tape. Maybe we'll do a second pod this week and follow up. But it, it certainly was frustrating, man, because you felt, okay, you get a little bit of a lead here. Atlanta's not equipped to really, you know, play from behind but it's like at any given moment that running game has always been able to whether it's Arthur whether it's Shanahan can gash you for 30 it was Tevin Coleman back in the day and now it's this stuff and it's it's a hard place to play man they've been good lately there but this was a tough one yeah I just I really feel like if they follow that same approach against Cincinnati then Cincinnati might hang up 50 plus on them um because yeah. you know what Demir Bird, what what Demir Bird was doing to them in the open field, uh, I mean, just now, oh. now imagine, you know, Tyler Boyd or T Higgins doing it. Uh, oh. I mean, Jamar yeah. Chase isn't going to play, but it's it's not going to be pretty. Um, but let me just kind of say this with respect to the defense. I just th- this is a game where you need your players to make a play for you. Um, Absolutely, again, Brian Burns. We're talking about turning down all these first round picks for him and giving him an extension. I mean, you got to like really play better. You got to make plays. I understand, you know, your assignment and role, but you have Mariota kind of wrapped up there and you just kind of let him escape. I mean, that's a game. Yeah, that's, that's a bad one. I mean, and he's had a few of those, Daniel Jones, but like, that one to me, that that's one I looked at and, and just said, damn. I mean, that you, you want to take that next step. Billy, you had that conversation with me last week about are you at that level of a Parsons? And, and those are the kind of plays where and, – and, you know, Brian knows this, but shit, you got to be able to impact the game in that moment. That's the kind of play you make that separates you from being, you know, two and six from potentially looking back at a couple games – being in a legitimate playoff position and seen as such. No, I totally agree. I mean, you know, you saw guys get in the mix, like Barno had a couple of reps, I think, and uh, Woods, it was up and down. Matos, uh, Gross Matos had a half a sack. Derek had a half a sack. They had two sacks on Mariota altogether. Uh, Burns had three tackles, uh, seven combined, two quarterback hits, but you got to – it's not just about sacks, but at some point you got to make splash plays. He's been pretty good at those, but you want to get the big contract. I mean, that's you got to have those moments. And this is a big time game, and he just came up a little bit empty on that. It's takes everybody, and you know, like I, I, I got to get a better look at the secondary. That's kind of been your forte on the show. You really have a good way of diagnosing coverages and the way the matchups work on man zone, all that good stuff. And I, I don't know what's going on with Horn or. I didn't study really. Honestly, I'm watching it from a 30,000 foot view today. I'm moving today. So I'm in a U-Haul. I'm kind of listening, watching. 
what what was your did you see Horn at all? Did you, were you able to kind of diagnose how he looked and what they were doing with him? Did he play a lot of snaps? So oh. I'm kind of just back on to this. Yeah, I, I would say that was in his best game. Um because like the middle of the field was where Atlanta did a lot of attacking, especially to London and you know, a few times they targeted Pitts, uh Zacchaeus too. Um and he wasn't playing outside. The outside corners were Henderson and Jackson for the most part. Um they had him inside, okay. Yeah, yeah I figured and so and again, just watch the Demir Bird touchdown again. I think JC Horn could do really could do better there. And, and that's just what I'm talking about. Like if we're gonna like start considering JC Horn to be like a franchise level defender for this franchise and uh, for the upcoming years. I mean, these are games where he has to just, you know, really help your team and make a play. I understand you can't play, you know, perfect. There's no such thing as a perfect game. Um, but to, to me, I really think that outside of Derek Brown, the players that were highly drafted by this franchise are paid like they should be. I thought they did not have a good game. And that includes the linebacking core. Um, Xavier Woods, he really uh, messed up on that play. And I think on the interception, I'm not sure what was happening there. They're very fortunate that CJ was you know, carrying that deep receiver. So I think yeah. his safety should be in that s- situation. Uh, I know Justin Burris, he, you know, he had a pretty big collision. So I'm not sure if he had a concussion or what's going on there, but um, but no, I think you know, we can call out individuals on defense, but to, to me, there's like maybe two or three guys on defense that I felt like they can hold their head high after this game. And you know what? It, it's fine. Um, you know, they played really well against Tampa. They've been playing well all year. Uh, it was bound to happen that they would struggle in a game. You can't be, um, you know, pitch perfect games and still force two turnovers. Uh, so it, it was a tough day overall, but I, by no means do I think it was a catastrophe either. So yeah, I agree. So you, you suck this up and you move on to Cincinnati, like you said, and um, you know, I'll watch the tape again and kind of really figure out if there's something that uh, we're missing, but you know, just watching the game live yeah. and seeing some of the broadcasting all 22 yeah. they showed. It, um, it's hard. It's I, hard I thought, to diagnose it that yeah. way. Yeah, I just felt that Arthur Smith had a very good game plan. And, um, you know, Carolina did get pretty lucky. They didn't call that pass interference on that in the fourth quarter. That that looked like a P.I. to me. Um, that was uh, – you know what? I, I, I will tell you this. I mean, that we get caught up in the, the officiating, and I was joking around earlier, but, like, yeah, that was <laughs> – that was actually legitimately borderline P.I., if not P.I. They – they could have thrown that, and I think that's one where they said, "Ah, you know, we <laughs> kind of owe you one." I mean, I don't know how they view this, but that I've seen those called before in that moment. Um, yeah, they they got it, and, and that kind of scares you too. Now you're in a situation where, and I kind of feel like you know, with the, the coaches they have, the staff they have, and the the personnel they have, you know, and Chen is an important part of their team. You know, I don't want to make him out to be Ed Reed; he's not. He's got to continue earning his stripes, but I think they'd be better to have him back in the lineup at some point because he provides a certain physicality that can be efficient. Um, but I, I want to just, and again, it's maybe just optimism, but I think it's context clues here that you would imagine this defense has generally been pretty good past couple of years, generally speaking. Um, these are issues, I think, when they're healthy, they can, and they are, they're getting healthier. With Steve and, and Al and these guys, they can probably tidy some of this stuff up that happened today. Ran into a good uh, coach with Arthur Smith that does scheme things up very well, but it's you know not like it's the you know the '99 Rams here. I mean, you're going to see a more prolific passing offense here. What you won't see, I mean, you can get after Burrow a little bit. Now he's going to get rid of the ball and he's going to stand tough. Uh, maybe it's an opportunity to, to be more impactful, just pinning yours back and rushing, but. You know, those weapons are still strong there. I just think, you know, the secondary stuff that happened today, I want to get a closer look at that. I certainly appreciate your input because, like, you you know this shit as much as anybody out there in terms of coverages and where guys line up and, and who's really blowing shit, who's not. And it's never just one guy, but, you know, fair to CJ. Look, 
made some good plays, probably a couple plays he'd want to have back. I think everybody on that defense could say that. Billy, I'll put you on the spot. If you got an offer for Shaq Thompson, would you trade him before Tuesday? Yeah, I would. Um, I just yeah. felt that he did not uh, – you know, he's obviously been here for a while. You know, he gets paid a lot too. Um, you know, I, I just feel like getting younger at the linebacker position should be a priority for them. You know, maybe get Brandon Smith some opportunities here, you know, as the season you know, goes on. Uh, but yeah, I would, and I would do the same for a few other players. Um, and again, this is just my thinking. It, it's like, we have to keep perspective of what this team is. I mean, they're a two and six football team. Now let's try to, you know, really look long-term and decide, you know, if this team isn't going to be competing for a division title, even, you know, even if you fluke your way into the playoffs somehow, I mean, what are you going to do? You're going to get blown out by the Vikings or the 49ers. Like, I don't want to experience that. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> but, but no, like I mean, my, yeah, my point I, I is, um, and I, I'm not trying to say that, but what I'm trying to say is that, I get it. You're, you're a two and six team. You still have some tough games coming on the horizon. You're going to win some games, you're gonna, but mostly you're going to lose. So, you know, try to keep some perspective. Well, but it just quickly, it it can impact. I think you'll even agree with this. Uh, I was talking to a scout earlier today after the game, and, and this can be kind of a pendulum swing, kind of a, a critical moment for a lot of teams where they have this moment before the trade deadline, where whether we think it's legit or not, teams convince themselves. Much like Carolina last year with Stephon Gilmore, all right, we're we're built for this. We're playoff ready. Let's go do it. Let's let's gas it up. Uh, and and maybe this year, given the nature of the NFC South, they were a little more reluctant to deal somebody until they saw what happened in Atlanta. And even though it's a narrow loss, maybe they're more inclined now. That's why I asked about Shaq. I I think this two trade two first round thing for Burns is probably sailed by now. And you know I look. I'm not going to sit here and kiss his ass. If they get two first-rounders, think about it and maybe do it if there's nothing bad in return. But I don't think that's coming back around. But, no, if you get something for Shaq Thompson right now, I think he's been a fine player here, and I have nothing but respect for the guy, but it's time to start looking at that. And and to me, obviously, franchise quarterback, we know that. That's just kind of an evergreen statement. I, I don't know what else this team needs other than some stability of the coaching position, whether it's – going to be Wilkes or somebody else um linebackers would be helpful I think um some extra edge rushing would be great um you're going to keep Burns as one of your cornerstones you, you probably need somebody else out there I think they're good with Brown Ionitis is a fine thing to have there but, you know you got to make sure Horn is good you felt like the secondary was deep I think the offensive line to me right now is very promising are they there I I'm not ready to say that but they're as close to being there as they've been in a long time. And I'm really encouraged by that. And that's why, you know, look, being at two and six is a big difference between being at three and five or whatever, because the dynamic of the NFC South is the only way they can make the playoffs. So maybe it's time to the front office needs to do what they do, focus on the business end, let the coaches focus on motivating the guys that are there to win and look at your roster closely and say, are you, do we have an opportunity now to send a certain veteran here or there to a contender and we can get something in return. And I, I do think maybe the fact that they lost today could impact their thinking. That's just speculation, but something to look out for. Totally agree. Um, with that said, that's going to be it for tonight. Uh, thank you everyone for hanging in there. Um, you might do another recap show. John might come at you guys solo with uh, some of his film breakdowns, but uh, as far as a recap of this thrilling NFC South battle. That's going to be it for tonight. Uh, thank you, everyone, and uh, I'll talk to you guys next time. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.